Holy Spirit has such an amazing revelation for us today. So I'm going to ask you to please take out your phone, to take notes, a piece of paper, whatever, and I am alive, serious about this. Take something out that you can write down because if you get the revelation today, this will change your life. I'm not trying to create a spiritual atmosphere, trying to hype people up. The Word does that by itself under the anointing, so I'm not going there. But God has really got such an amazing word for us. The Holy Spirit wants to give us some insight today. And Chip's word has, has got a lot to do with today. The word that he brought forth is, has got a lot with what Holy Spirit wants to do today. So the, the topic is how to live free from fear and anxiousness. Raise your hand if you are sitting here and there's something in your life that you're anxious about or there's fear. Look around you. Yet Jesus says in his word, fear not. Jesus says in his word, do not let your heart be troubled. So if Jesus says that, should it be possible for us to live free from fear? Yet we in the body raise our hands when we ask, who's anxious, who has fear? So somewhere we are missing it. The word doesn't miss it, God doesn't miss it. Somewhere along the line, something went wrong. And that's what God wants to deal with today. So, I'm going to read the first little bit here from the old King James. Okay, so please bear with me because the answer is in, it's in the other words as well, in the other translations, but it's just spelled out so plain and clear here. So the question is, how, how do we start fearing? How do you fear? How does fear start? How do you become fearful? You don't wake up one morning and say, oh my goodness, I'm scared. That doesn't happen. Fear, how does it get into you? How does it land within you so that after a certain amount of time you think, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm anxious about that. Where, where does that come from? How does that arrive in your life? And Jesus gives us the answer here in the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching on the Mount, as we've said. So we'll turn to chapter 6 and we'll start in verse 24 and we'll go to about 33. And the answer is in here. So please listen. This is the old King James. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for the body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O little of faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For you have your heavenly Father, and he knoweth that you have need of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Now, in these few scriptures, Jesus tells us how we start to fear. Did you catch it there? Okay, so we can go home because we got it. Look here, Jesus talks about why do you take a thought? Why do you take a thought? Why do you take a thought? Okay, so here he starts off, he says, 24, no man can serve two masters. You serve your thoughts. Whatever is in your mind, whatever thought process you are having to go through in your mind, that is what you are serving. You serve your thoughts, whether they're good or bad, whether they're from God or the devil. You serve them. So if there are thoughts of fear in your mind, what are you doing? Is there going to be enough money? Is there going to be a healing? Am I going to make it to the end of the You're serving that thought. You're taking that thought and over and over you're you serving that instead of my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. By his stripes, I, you're serving whatever's in your mind. Okay? So be careful what's in your mind because whatever thought you have, that is what you serve. Now Jesus goes down and in this verse, in verse 31, he gives us the answer. How fear or anxiousness or depression or anything like that starts. Listen carefully. The other translation, don't say it like this. Look at Jesus. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? Clothed. Jesus says, don't take a thought by saying that thought. Don't say what comes into your mind. Why do you take a thought by saying and making that thought your own? Why take ye thought? Why do you do this? Why do you take a negative, bad, terrible thought by saying what's going on in your mind? Why do you do that? Don't say everything that comes into your mind because not every thought that comes to your mind is of me. So why do you take a thought by saying, oh, the doctor said he's going to die? Why do you take that thought? Why do you say, oh, you know, I always run out of money before I run out of month? Why do you take that thought? Because that's not of me. Why do you say, I've been believing for a job and nothing has come up yet? Why do you say that thought and take it and make it your own? Because that's not of me. Why do you do this? We shouldn't be saying everything that goes on in our minds. Don't take the thoughts that are not of God. Get this revelation here. You and I cannot have an original thought. You and I, mankind, cannot have an original thought. Sorry to burst your bubble. You cannot think of something that has never, ever, ever, ever been thought before. You can't. And even if no other human being has thought that thought, that thought either came from God or from the devil. So you and I cannot have an original thought. So, this is how I explain this. If this is my house, this thing represents my house, can I stop birds from flying over my house? 
can't stop birds from flying over my house. They just way up there, they come, they go as they want. I cannot stop the birds from flying over my house. Can I stop that bird from landing on my roof and making his nest in my gutter and in my, in my chimney and just doing whatever he wants on my house? Yes, I can. If he lands there, I kick him off. If I see him coming close, I will make him go away. You cannot stop the enemy from putting thoughts in your mind. You can't stop that. He's alive, he's there, he's evil, he's the accuser of the brethren. So he's coming over your house all the time with those thoughts. You're not going to get healed. You don't have enough money. Your children are not going to make it. Oh, you don't have a job by now. If you were, and all of these thoughts, he's flying. But now I can stop that thought from festering in my mind and building a nest in here. And I can say, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5, Therefore take every thought... Not every now and then. Every thought that doesn't line up with this word, take captive. But don't take that thought by speaking it and saying, oh, well, you know what, I'm not going to have enough money because now you've just made it your own. Jesus says don't do that. So we need to start checking our thoughts because not every thought that we think comes from God. And the enemy is there And what he will do is he will plant a circumstance or a situation or a symptom within your body because he cannot read your mind. He's an angel. Angels cannot read our mind. So he doesn't know what's going on in here. So he puts that circumstance, symptom, whatever in your body. Now he stands back to see what is their reaction. Now, if their reaction is, oh my goodness, I'm not going to have enough money. Satan says, I've got them. They don't believe the word. Ah, that cancer must be back. I've got a stomach ache. They don't believe in those stripes. They just took it for a while. They don't believe the word. Wow, the kid is not coming home. Wow, now they believe in the kid's going to go and he's going to get dope and he's going to fall. They don't believe the word. Why take ye thought by saying what God has not said? Why would you and I speak anything other than this? Because Jesus himself spoke nothing other than this. Who are you and I to think that we can get by or just let it slip or not pay attention to speaking the word? Because we just have to say it as it is. Or we just have to be honest and true. That kind of honesty, saying it as it is, will get you in a lot of trouble. Because the truth is, by his stripes we were healed. The truth is not what the doctor says. So I don't have to say it like it is. The way it is, is by his stripes we were healed. End of story. That's the truth. Say it as it is. Why take ye thought by saying the doctor says he's going to die? He's not going to make it. And every single thought that comes to your mind, you and I have to weigh Does it line up with this or does it not? Because life and death are in the power of your tongue. So when that symptom comes, when that circumstance, when that situation comes, you have the power to change it. So you go for a job interview, you go to the doctor. Before you go in there, 
before you even have the answer what they find or don't find, I'm in covenant with God. So no matter what you, doctor or interviewer, says, it doesn't really matter. Because God says by his stripes we were healed. God says he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. So don't take the thoughts that the enemy brings by speaking them out. Now, this is where word of faith got into a bit of trouble or got a bad rap many years ago because people took this way too far and said, don't even say I'm sick. Because they knew that that's, that's not what word of faith is. But people took it so far that it just sounded silly. When David saw Goliath, he didn't stand there saying, there's no giant, there's no giant, there's no giant. We're not saying there's no giant. There's a giant. But today I will take your head off your body because I have a covenant and you are one who doesn't have a covenant with God. I'm not denying that the giant's there. I'm not denying that the doctor says there's cancer in your body. There's no cancer. There's no. There's cancer. I'm denying that cancer's right in the body to exist because of the stripes of Jesus. So you can say, James says, is there any among you who are sick? Why would he say that? No, there's no sick, there's no sick, there's no sick. If you are sick, call for the elders. So you phone the elder, elders, come over. Why am I coming? Uh, uh, I can't say it. Uh, uh. That's not what it is to deny that there's no issue or there's no problem. We deny that problem's right because we say what God says about that situation or circumstance. So Jesus says here, take no thought, okay? So even Jesus himself has to, or did, go by the word. Again, the Amplified Bible, look here now. First uh, Corinthians two sixteen. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and the purposes of the Lord, so as to guide or instruct him and give him knowledge? But we, we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and we do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of his heart. I'm going to read that again. Listen carefully. 1 Corinthians 2.16 in the Amplified. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, and the purposes of the Lord? so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge. Who can tell God what to do? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of the Messiah, the anointed one and his anointing. We have that mind. And we do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of his heart. That's amazing. Why take thought by saying, we're not going to have when we know what his heart is towards us. He became poor so that we can become rich in all things. So you can take a thought by saying what he says. And you can make that your truth. You can make that your thought and you can start serving that. And now fear has no place because anything that the enemy can bring, God brings something bigger and better on the light, on the love, on the love side. So we have to check every single thought that comes into our mind. 
even this, you know, when God was... De- I've had this revelation for many, many, many years, but, you know, sometimes we let things slip. And it's just good to hear it again. So when, when we were talking about, you know, what we would be speaking on during this, and I said, I, w- I would like to talk about fear and worry. And this was quite a while ago that I knew I was going to do it. So in preparing this and so on, and my mom came to, to visit, and she left last Wednesday. And every time she leaves, it's tears, it's chaos, it's crying for a night. Not, it's just bad. And the Holy Spirit brought this to my mind while I was busy preparing. And he said, why do you take that thought? Because you've got to judge your thoughts now. So now my thought is when we go to the airport, we say goodbye, we cry, we go home, we go into the bedroom where she slept, sat on her bed, prayed for her. And, 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 and why take you thought? That thought is not of me, God said. So why do you rehearse that? Because you're serving your thoughts. So why don't you say, we are not of them that sorrow. We have a hope. God is the God of all hope. And I started saying that. I started speaking that. And I said at the airport, I thank you, Lord, that we are not of them who sorrow because we have a hope. And the God of love. And, and, I, and when she went away, it was great. Not that she went away, but in here my heart was, I didn't break down and not sleep for a night and cry for my mother. And this just this, this did it. It was this. Just by speaking the word, because it's not God's will for me not to, not to sleep and to cry and do all that. So why do you take that thought? So now it's like, okay, next time I'm not going to cry. I'm gonna, it's God's will for me to send her off and bless her and love her and wait till she comes back next time. That's his will. So I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to speak that thought and, and life and death are in the power and, and it was much better. Do you get what I'm saying? So check every thought, every thought. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5 says, take every thought captive. If it does not line up with this, take it captive. You have no right, Satan. This is now, I have the mind of Christ. That thought is not of God. It's of you. I know it. I know good. I know evil. And I refuse that thought in my mind. I will not speak it and it will be aborted dead. That thought. Not going to take it. Why take ye thought? Even Jesus had to do this. For time's sake. Let's just go to Matthew um, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus goes into the desert. And we always say, what, what was the first temptation that the enemy brought to Jesus? What did the enemy say to him? What was the first? You're hungry? Are you the son? Okay. But then he said, you're hungry? What, do, do, do something. What did he say? Turn the stones into bread. Wrong. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. And that's all. There, there. Look what the enemy comes. Look. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Next one. Thank you. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command. Take a thought and say it. Command these stones. He didn't say turn them into. He said, no, no. This is the process. I know how the process works. I'm not going to get Jesus to just do something because he came to show us how man should act. So, command. Take the thought that I'm telling you and make these. Turn them by saying. Jesus says, why take ye thought by saying? Satan didn't say, turn these stones into bread that we read the Bible all our lives. He says, command. Now, what if 
Can bread be multiplied? Can fish be multiplied? Can water be turned into wine? Can water come out of a rock? So why can a stone not be turned into bread? So if the devil comes to Jesus while he's hungry and he's fasted for 40 days, I am no authority on fasting, okay? Not at all, not in the least. Don't even ask me about that. But what I do know is that when you do fast, you miss the carbohydrates. You don't think of pudding and stuff like that. You think of pasta, bread. You want the carbohydrates is what you, it's got something to do with the glycogen in your mind. So now what if the enemy was coming to Jesus because it's a temptation and all the time Jesus is in the desert, the enemy comes to his ear and he says, wouldn't it be nice to have a piece of bread? Look at those stones. Wouldn't those stones be nice? Bread. Why don't you just turn those stones into bread? You can do it. You're the son of God. Bread. You're hungry. You don't deserve this. You did nothing wrong. You're God. Why don't you turn the stones into bread? All the time he's trying to get that thought into Jesus' mind. And then he comes and he says, okay, now I've put that thought there. I've been speaking to him. I've been nagging him. Now, command those stones to be made bread. But look at Jesus. It is written. Even Jesus had to check every thought that came to him because he was living like a man. Now, was that thought of God to command those into bread or was that of the evil one? Okay, it's of the evil one. So I'm not going to take that thought by saying what he tells me to do and say. Don't take a negative, bad, evil, depressing, fearless thought by saying what the enemy is putting in your mind. Don't do that. It takes just as much energy and power to just say what the Word says. No more energy, no more power. You can say, oh man, I'm finished. I can't anymore. Or you can say, I can't, but greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Exactly the same amount of words, exactly the same, but one is truth and one is lie. And Jesus says, don't take that lie by saying. Don't take that lie by saying. Now look what Jesus did, because this is even before the book of Ephesians. But was the book of Ephesians true, even before it was written? Yes, because the word is true. So Ephesians 6.17, where it talks about the sword of the Spirit... Was that true while Jesus was in the desert? Yes. So look what Jesus does. The enemy comes to him and the enemy is talking to him in his mind. Which he does to everyone. He can't change his ways because he's a devil. He's an angel. He has to do the same thing over and over again. But it's been working well for 6,000 years. So he just does the same thing over and over again. So he comes and he says, turn this into bread. Turn this into bread. Look what Jesus does. He takes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he says, ah, take that, Satan, hold that for a while. How does that feel? And he pulls it out. Have you ever held a knife or a sword where they stick it into you and it goes in and out? That's what Jesus was saying. Take this. Take it. Man shall live by bread. Take it. What does that feel like? What does that feel like? Take that. Take that sword. See if you like that. And pulled it out. 
The devil didn't just do it once and then say, okay, it's not going to work, let me leave. He comes again and again and again, even to the Son of God. So why do many of us think, I've tried so hard, I've done it twice and the enemy's still bugging me? If he came to Jesus, whom he just heard the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, he came once, didn't work, came again, didn't work. The devil will come and come and come until you stand your ground and stick that sword in him and stick that sword in him, the word in him, until he cannot handle that sword anymore. And he will say, I need to back off for a season. Don't give up after it didn't happen the first time. Jesus didn't go the first time. And the second temptation when the devil came, Jesus said, Father God, I just did this and he's back again. Where are you? Help me. What did he do? Took the word. The word, it is written. Take this. Hold it. How does this feel? It is written. Take that sword. Take this sword. It is written. How does that feel? The book in Jeremiah 23, it talks about the word of God that's like a hammer that breaks the rock. And you just pound and you 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 keep on pounding till faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and that rock will crumble. It's like a fire that burns. That's the word. Don't give up after you don't see it happening after you quoting the word once or one day and say, man, I've stood my ground. After you've done all to stand, I've done it for one day. It didn't work. This word failed me. Take that sword of the Spirit and stick it in the enemy. Stick it. Stick it again. Because it has to work. It's alive and it's powerful. So even Jesus had to do that. Oh, there's so much here. I don't even know. Have you ever, have you ever heard of that? The... the Torture, the, the, the Chinese water torture thing. Have you, have you heard of that? Where if you haven't heard of it, they take someone and they fasten you down. You cannot move. And they will drop drops of water on your head, on your forehead over here. And just one drop after the other, after the other. You know, it doesn't sound bad or whatever, but it's a form of torture and, and people crack up and break. That's like the word of God. Just drop by drop. Because if you sit in a chair and someone says, hey, listen, I'm going to torture you, sit here on the chair and I've got this cup and I put 20 drops on his head. Was that bad? That's not torture. But tie someone up and for 20 hours you say, right, for the next 20 hours there's going to be one drop every three seconds just landing here until you tell us what we want to know. And that one little drop that seems like a joke in a little cup like that, after 20 hours of that same drop, it's no joke anymore. That's torture. And when you take the word, which is a hammer, which is fire, which is the washing of the water of the word, and you just speak the word, and you speak the word, and you speak the word, and keep on speaking the word, it, it becomes torture for the other realm. Because the word is alive. The word is powerful. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Let the word fight its own fight. But just speak the word. Speak the word. Don't take thought by saying, this is not working. How many of you pray in tongues? And then when that thought comes, you're wasting your time. Because the enemy doesn't want you to do that. And then you think, oh, is, it, is this really working? Is it not? I've just been doing this for 15 minutes. Was that a waste of time? Or The word says you pray the perfect will of God. Don't take thought by saying, did this really work? 
Don't take every thought that comes your way. Okay, so Jeremiah says that the word is like a hammer, it's like fire. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, here's another example of this. It, it specifically tells us what we should meditate on. And you'll hear people, we've got good hearts and we don't understand. So we pray, Lord, bring me your peace. Bring me your peace. Put peace on me. Flood me with your peace. And in Philippians 4, it tells us how the peace of God comes. It's laid out step by step by step. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. And then the peace of God that surpasses understanding will. And we just stand and we say, bring the peace. Bring the peace. Flood, just fall it out on me. That's not how it works. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing. If God says be anxious for nothing, it should be able, we should be able to live without anxiousness. How do we do that? He explains it. But in everything with prayer and supplication, which means speaking, the word, prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Next one, please. Finally, brethren. Finally, brethren. Look here. Here's the answer. Finally, brethren. After all of that, whatever things are true, what the enemy says to you is not true. He brings the opposite of truth because he's the father of lies. So, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, the enemy is not going to put a noble thought that praises and blesses God in your mind. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate. What does meditate mean? To mutter, to say over and over again, to speak to yourself over and over. So, uh, Paul Wright says, if you want that peace, give me peace, Jesus. This is what you've got to do. Because the peace is available, but there are a few steps that we've got to partake of so that that peace can come. And one of them are, finally, brethren, he says, dwell and meditate on these things. So if you have a thought in your mind right now that is not just, not noble, not praiseworthy, not true, don't speak it, don't meditate it, don't even give it the space in your mind because it's not of God. And only then will the peace of God be able to come because you are now, Hebrews 12, 2, got our eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith, and now we're serving our thoughts, which are noble, which are just, which are pure. So there's the, the way to get that anxious, anxiousness gone. That's why he says, don't, immediately when that thought comes, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, look at the scan, man, you've got cancer. What do people do? Because now when we hear that name, that name is just so big because it's hurt so many of our people. And now cancer is huge. And God is not sitting in heaven thinking huge cancer. God is thinking curse. And we have been redeemed from the curse. But now we can think and meditate and say what the enemy says, deadly, bad. Look how many people died. This is not going to work. You are weak. Or we can choose to say what God says. And then will that peace come. Then will that, it surpasses all understanding. So people don't understand. Man, somebody's got cancer in your family and you just seem okay. How do you, it's the peace that surpasses under. You don't, I don't understand. It's just him. It's just his peace that absolutely surrounds me like a shield. 
but I can't sit and say cancer, MS, diabetes, whatever the case may be, because that thought is not of God. So don't take those thoughts by saying it. Even Moses, can you remember in the desert, Moses is walking, people want water. God says to him, okay, Moses, you and Aaron go take the, the, the staff and speak to the rock the second time. Okay, now where did that thought come from? From God. What does Moses do? He has another thought, which is, these people, man, they need hoodoo. Do you want Aaron and me to bring water out of this rock? And he has another thought, and he strikes the rock again. Two thoughts there. One from God, one from the enemy. Don't take every thought that comes to your mind. So Moses strikes the rock. The revelation there is Jesus is the rock. You can't beat him twice. He was beaten once before he went to the cross. There's no more beating of him. He's beaten. Finally, it's done. That's the revelation of Moses beating the rock twice. Now you speak. Second time you speak. By his stripes we were healed. He will supply all my needs. Now we speak about the rock. He can't be beaten again. He's finished being beaten. That one time that he was beaten... Paid for everyone, all man, for all time. That blood and that beating was enough. He's not coming down to be beaten again. Now we speak the name above every other name. He's the provider. He's the one that makes things happen for us. You can't beat him. You now talk about what he has done for you. That's why God said, speak to the rock. And he had another thought and he acted on the wrong thought. Uh, He couldn't go into... he couldn't go into the promised land, you know, that's, but it sounds so harsh, which it is, I mean, we don't have a lot of time here, but just look at the goodness of God. Okay, Moses couldn't go into the, into the promised land, is that right? Okay, because he messed up so bad. God is so harsh. This God is not fair. Can I ask you a question? In Matthew 17, when Jesus went up to the, to the mountain, in the promised land, who was there? In the promised land, there's Moses. Is that not the goodness of God? See, we're stuck in the old covenant thinking, oh, God just said he can't go, and he was such a great man, and he made one mistake, and now he can't go. No, he was in the promised land. He was there. And if you had asked him, man, would you have wanted to go in the promised land before, or is it good the way it is now? Mo would say, it's good the way it is. Just leave it as is. Don't change anything. Just leave it like this. So the goodness of God, mercy triumphed over judgment, and Moses went to the promised land. Just a side note. Okay. If we go to John chapter, John chapter 13, at the Last Supper, they're all sitting down and they're eating, and Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. If you read the word there, it says there that Judas, at the supper, it said that Satan came and had already put the thought into his heart. At that supper, the Bible says, explaining, the Bible explains itself. It said that Satan had already by that time put the thought into Judas's heart. How did that get there? Because now it sounds like he can just do what he wants. If you read that, Satan comes and he puts this in your heart and you've got to do it. No. He, he, he had a thought. And the thought was, this, this Jesus, he just, he embarrassed you in front of all the other disciples when you said we should sell this money, we should sell this oil for money. And, and you, 
You're doing such a good work. That's not right, Judas. Why don't you betray? You can get money. You can use that money for good if you want. And he had a thought. And instead of saying no, there's no room for that, he started meditating on that thought. Meditating. Saying, wow, what, what if, let me go and talk to them. What will you give me if I, if I deny him? What? And now he starts speaking that thought. And now it becomes a reality where he denies Christ. But even at that table, Jesus knew the thought that was in his mind. That's why he gave him another chance and said, one of you, Judas, come on, man. You don't have to do this, Judas. One of you, come on, Judas. I'm not angry. Come on, Judas. I'm still going to the cross, even though, come on, Judas. But he knew, and it started with a simple thought from the enemy. Why don't you deny him? Just, he's not treating you right. And he took that thought and he started saying it and look what happened to Judas because of that. The Bible explains that so very, very clearly. Enemy had put that thought in his heart. When the Bible talks about heart, it's not talking about your blood pump. You can't serve God with your blood pump more than you can with your liver or your kidneys. It's talking about your spirit. So in Proverbs chapter 4, the wisest man other than Jesus to walk the face of the earth says very clearly, he says, above all things, above everything else, guard your heart. Because whatever is in your heart is going to come out and manifest itself in your life. So don't allow trash in your heart. Above all, guard your heart. Because what you hear, what you see, what you say are gateways into the heart. Don't go and watch trashy movies. Side note. Don't sit and listen to songs where they sing about perversion and lust and death and blood and murder. Don't allow that stuff. Guard your heart. Because out of it come the issues of life. So Solomon writes to Judas. He says, Judas... Guard your heart because the enemy is always there trying to speak to you into your mind. And once you meditate on those, it becomes down into your heart. And then out of your heart, it will come and it will take on form and reality and flesh. So Judas takes that thought, thinks about it. It comes into his heart and out of his heart came denying Jesus and selling him for 30 pieces of silver. So therefore, Be careful what you allow into your ears, into your eyes, and what you say, because it's a gateway into your heart. Okay? Very, very important. We'll stop there. It's 12. There's just so much. Part two. We need part five faster. (laughs) Do not... Meditate on every thought that comes to your mind. Judge it as soon as it's there. Is this good? Is this life and life abundantly? Is this peace? Is this love? Is this light? Or is it death, fear, anxiousness, darkness, destruction? It's very easy to draw the line. But you and I have all been schooled in the, in the wrong school. We had the wrong teacher to teach us to say, oh, poor you, shame, and we feel sorry for ourselves, and we say it as it is, and I don't deserve. 
And that's what the enemy wants. Speak those thoughts. There you go. Tell them how can they do this to you. You much better than that. Oh, they did what to you? Oh, they don't understand. Say it. Speak it. Come on, sit in the corner. Just, just one more hour of feeling sorry for yourself. You'll feel much better after that. Go for it. Go. We've all been there because we all have those thoughts. But the Bible says take those thoughts captive because those will get into your heart and you will just live that out. Guard your heart. Change what's in your heart by putting the word of God in there, by putting the light, the life, the love in there, and then that will come out of your heart. Everyone in this room, if you've ever had a thought of committing suicide, raise your hand. Look around you. Look there. Just look at all these hands. And praise God, we didn't meditate and meditate and speak and because some of us probably even tried and through God's grace, it didn't go through. But that's just a simple, simple, simple way. See, the enemy still talking every single day. Your life's not worth it. No one lo- If you're gone, who's going to miss you? If God truly loved you, And you start speaking and saying, and Jesus says, why take ye thought by saying? Don't say it. Let it abort itself and die. Say only the words I say because John 6.63, my words are spirit and they are life. So take the sword and use it. Stick it in the enemy, pull it out. Stick it in the enemy, pull it out. Keep on until he cannot anymore because the word cannot fail. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you showed us how to stand up to the enemy when he comes and tries, Lord, to put thoughts in our mind, tries to bring us down, tries to attack our identity, We need to stand on the word because the word is true. The word is a rock and the word never fails. Thank you for your Holy Spirit on the inside of us that leads and guides. Thank you that we now have a God in front of our mouth. The Old Testament prophets could only pray and say, Dear Lord, put a God in front of my mouth. And we have the Holy Spirit who stands there, stands watch 24 hours a day. And he guards the words that come out. And he will say, don't say that. That's not of God. Don't speak that. That's not of the Holy One. Don't say that. That brings death and not life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us choose our words wisely. Thank you for helping us guard our hearts so that we do not allow trash into our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us that fear and anxiousness start by a thought and then a word. But faith comes exactly the same way, reading your word and speaking it. So we thank you, Lord, that your word says we have the victory in every circumstance. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. We bless you. We praise you. We love you. You are so, 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 so good. We have no words. So we just come and we bring ourselves and we say, here we are. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you need